Welcome to Behind the Mic, exploring the media world in the 21st century. I'm James Marriott, and I've been meeting people right across the industry to see exactly what they do, how things have changed, and what they think the future might have in store, as well as their tips if you're looking to break into media. We'll have guests from the world of TV, broadcasting, news, sports, and PR. My background is in print, radio and podcasting, all industries which have seen radical changes and challenges in the last decade. Today I'm going behind the mic with Will Chalk, part of the Newsbeat team at the BBC. I worked with Will before he made the move to Radio 1 and he gives us an insight into how the Newsbeat team works. Will also has some great advice on how to get your foot into the media door and we'll hear about his somewhat unusual career path, including an award-winning student radio show with the rather dubious feature Lecturer or Lecturer, and a stint helping produce a TV show in Ibiza with the boy band Blue. A very warm welcome to Will Chalk. Hi, Will. Hello. So um, you are part of the team at Newsbeat at Radio 1. Um, obvious question, what do you actually do? What is your job? Uh, uh, that's an obvious question, but an irritatingly hard one to answer. And I hate it because people ask <laughs> and you have to give them a very lengthy, quite involved answer. Um, but I'll do my best to do it simply. So uh, my, I think my job title is multimedia journalist. Um, mm-hmm. And that can be anything from uh, presenting the Newsbeat program, reading and writing news bulletins, going out and doing on-the-day radio reporting. And when I say on-the-day, I mean if there's a, a, a big car crash or a, a massive gin spill, I think there was yesterday or whatever, um, you go out and you do whatever stories are emerging on the day. Um, and then you also do a similar thing with the internet. So you write up stories for the website based on whatever's happening that day. That is kind of 50% of the job, all that stuff. And then the other 50% is what they call original journalism. So uh, coming up with chasing down your own bigger, well, they don't have to be bigger, actually, your own stories. And that can be anything from, I've made quite a few visual documentaries that have gone out on the iPlayer and on the BBC News channel, uh, did one in Russia, did one about bisexual people. Um, so that's filming them, editing them, presenting them, producing them, etc. But then doing your own stories can vary from huge projects like that, where you spend six months working on it. And then, you know, it, it goes out on radio and in visual and on the website and everything to tiny little things where you say, um, you just say, I want to interview, I don't know, You Me at Six, because they've got a new album. It'd be slightly better than that, but I want to interview You Me at Six because they've got a new album coming out or something. But the point is that it's not based on what's going on in the world that day necessarily. It's something that you've come up with and you've decided you want to do because you think it's newsworthy and you think there's something interesting in it. So that's half my job is kind of reacting to on-the-day stuff, bulletins, programmes, what have you. And the other half is coming up with the news and doing big projects like i recently did one about sex abuse in the music industry for example 
Okay, uh, that is definitely a, a long-winded um, way of explaining what, what it is that you um, that you do. Um, I need to put kind of a fairly important footnote in at this point, just to point out that because um, you, you and me, we did work together. Um, in fact, I employed you, Will, at the Links FM group a few years back. Um, so we were colleagues for a couple of years, and worth pointing out that beyond that, we were friends. Well, we still are friends. Well, I hope we're still friends. Um, so obviously, you know, there's there's kind of that the, there'll, there'll be things that we get onto chatting about that we've um, you know probably experienced at the time to together. Um, so, Will, uh, let me take you all the way back. So, at what point did you realise that that radio was what you wanted to do? Uh, probably when I I remember listening to a lot of Radio One, and particularly the Scott Mills Daily podcast, when I was. 14 15 somewhere around that age and just thinking it was it was amazing and i remember doing things like listening to um i must have been even younger this because i remember listening to like the surgery it used to be with colin murray and they used to talk about sex and i used to think that was like really edgy <laughs> at the time so like radio has always been i think and especially radio one has always been something that i was interested in and then I I had a mate at school who was really interested in radio and still is and is a great radio presenter. Um, and he would do a few shows out of his bedroom. So we, I kind of messed around with that a little bit. So then when I went to uni, I knew that I, I student radio was something I was going to be interested in. And I just signed up in the first week with this bloke who lived a few blocks down from me who was called Charles. So we thought, all right, we'll do a show called The Chalk and Charles Show, which is a very loose pun on chalk and cheese. Um, and we did that. And then I don't know whether it was a calculated thing where I thought, oh, this is now what I want to do. But just gradually from then doing student radio took up more of my time than doing my degree, um, which was reflected in my bag, <laughs> bag average marks. <laughs> and yeah, and then it kind of took over my life. I mean, this sounds braggy but it's this is true this is what um made me i think want to do it more was that me and charles won a student radio award in our first year of doing the show um and then we got we got to go to this big ceremony in london and scott mills presented us with our award and stuff like that and that was like a big moment where i was like oh wow I, you know i could actually do this now rather than this could be a hobby i think that's when i started setting my sights on working in in radio yeah, cool. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, when you kind of think back to those student radio days, because I think for a lot of people, before you start doing radio professionally, when you're kind of doing it, you know, for fun or as a as a hobby, often tend to be kind of the days that you look back on the most fondly because you don't have all the rules that you've got to follow, and um, you don't have to kind of you know uh, be worrying about you know fitting in with a you know company image and all different policies and things like things like that um what what kind of memories do you have of um of, of those student radio days i mean they're not that long ago i make it sound like they're you know a couple of decades ago yeah. it's not that long ago is it it must be about uh, how old was i it's, it's probably about eight years ago so eight nine years ago when we started so it's i guess nearly a decade ago and mate it was just um it was <laughs> it was just stupid we i i wasn't i wasn't into news then um to the yeah, we'll we'll get on to my relationship with news later, I guess. But I wasn't like I was just we just had an entertainment show. Um and we just used to do the dumbest stuff we could come up with, you know. Um had a feature. I think I can say this. I think this is I think I can say that we had the feature. Um we had a feature called Lecturer or Lecturer, 
where I'd read a name <laughs> out and Charles had to guess whether they were a uni of York lecturer or someone on the sex offenders register. Now, wow. you couldn't do that at any, any station ever that was professional. I'm not even sure we were allowed to do it on student radio, but no one listens. So, you know. um, <laughs> we put on a, we broadcast live from a sexual health awareness event that I'd organised. I can't remember why, but we decided to do it. And we had things like whack a sperm, which was like whack-a-mole, but with a, con- a giant condom that you had to hit a sperm with. Just really stupid, juvenile stuff. Um, we wrote a Christmas panto for the radio in our uni bedrooms and then emailed Brian Blessed saying, would you be up for doing a part down the phone? And he said, yes. <laughs> so we just got Brian Blessed. And again, the script was just, I mean, it was dreadful. Such stupid humour and, you know, really basic joke and just it was um yeah it was radio professionally is great fun still and obviously your capacity is much more because you have a budget and you have it's easier to get people to come on your show because people actually listen but when you're doing student radio it's great because there's no one who tells you what you can or can't do you just you just do it, and the worst you might get is a mile ticking off. Um, do you um do you still have the recordings of some of those things? I yeah, I think so. I think, and I need to do something about that because um, it, I think they're on my old laptop, which is way 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 on its last legs, like proper creaking at its hinges, and I need to rescue those recordings. Yeah, you don't want to lose those. They they sound like gold and um, stuff. In in years to come, they'll come in very useful for someone when they're planning, you know, some kind of birthday party or something like that. I remember I was broadcasting from. We used to have a, uh, a, a, a what's it called a varsity with uh, a rival uni, mm-hmm. and uh, they I was reporting live from an event, and they were doing a mic check. So I'm just there. So, you know, they were doing mic check. You just say whatever words come to your mind. So I'm just there going down the mic. I'm here. I'm queer. Get used to it. And little did I know that they actually cut to me. I was like, <laughs> Will York is reporting on the men's rowing or whatever. And I'm just chanting outdated gay rights slogans um, down the mic. Wow. Um, you must be so yeah. proud. Um, you've mentioned... Colin Murray, you mentioned Scott Mills a couple of times in in kind of the first few minutes that we've been chatting. Um, who kind of influenced you then in those early days? I know obviously you mentioned Radio One being being you know something that that you you spent a lot of your time listening to. Who do you kind of who who are you looking up to in those early days of broadcasting? I mean, really, that it was yeah, Scott Mills, Colin Murray, um, Greg James when he was first starting out. I was never a Chris Moyles guy. I didn't like the format so yeah when that got taken over by Grimmy, i like that um and chappers now from match of the day mm-hmm. um when he was with scott that was gold but to be honest i was really uh naive and ill-informed <laughs> you'd be surprised to know when i when i came into radio to me all radio was was radio one that was all i'd ever listened to and I'd, I'd never bothered to seek out anything else because it it um it did it for me. Zane Lowe, that's another one. I thought it was brilliant. Um, so, 
yeah, when I kind of tried to get into the industry and people were talking about, I get into a chat with someone really high up in the radio industry and they'd mentioned a station like LBC and I'd be like, I'm sorry, I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, I do now, but when I first went into the industry, I didn't know anything about it because all I'd ever done was listen to Radio 1. You've talked about university, um, obviously went to uni in, in York. Um, you then ended up in uh, Sheffield. Were you doing a master's in Sheffield? Yeah, and, and in, what was, in journalism. And what kind of happens from that point then? What what happens after you uh, graduate from Sheffield? Oh, this is where you enter the tale. Well, there's something in between though, isn't there? You you ended up in uh, Ibiza, didn't you, doing something a little bit weird? Oh, yeah, that was... So we, on the end of my master's, they, they give you a big list of people who've done the master's in the past and uh, and are happy to kind of talk to or offer bits of, um, it was mostly work experience to people who've been on the course because I was never driven by a massive journalistic passion. I didn't read 10 newspapers a day. I didn't watch the 10 o'clock news every night and all this. Um, and I did that. I still don't. That's still not what drives me. I've always been driven by a love of radio mm-hmm. and I got into journalism as a way so that I could do radio. So when we got this list of um, people that you could email, everyone's kind of emailing the guys itv calendar or the local paper or something and i was like oh look this this guy works in television this chris curly guy and he makes reality tv that sounds like a laugh um so i emailed him and instead of work experience he was like well i'll give you a, a month's work if you want and i was like fantastic um he was like it's in ibiza and we're making a reality tv show with the boy band blue and i was like <laughs> all right um so yeah we, i went out to ibiza for a month was a runner it was hard work I had one day off, I think, in the, I think it was near enough three weeks we were there. So it was just continuous 12, 14 hour days, lots of driving around. Um, it was my birthday while we were out there and the, we had this party at Blues Villa where they were staying. Wow. Um, yeah, loads of really, that was like, a, it was really cool. It, it made me realize I didn't want to work in TV. Um, it made me realize I wanted to work in radio, not because I particularly had a bad time, but just because, I don't know. When you, when you see how certain industries work, sometimes you just think, okay, that's not for me. Okay. And I just saw how TV worked, and TV for anyone who's worked in it will know there's a lot of repeating things, there's a lot of faff setting things up, um, and the way you have to progress in TV is if you want to do any job, you have to put in a good couple of years as a runner, and then you get to move up one rung, and you can be a junior researcher. But that's the way you get the good jobs. You literally work your way up. Whereas being a journalist on the radio is quite different. You can get your first job and you can be straight away. You're on the radio. You're out there getting your stories. Um, kind of the same with being a radio presenter, really. They're not so much, I guess, at the huge stations, but there aren't so many rungs to climb. Mm-hmm. So I came back from it and I'd already started freelancing at Capital and actually doing the radio. And I thought, well, I could work in TV and spend years kind of, you know, driving around and getting the water and, you know, this, that and the other, which I don't mind. I've got no objection to putting the graphs in. But I thought, or I could work in radio or I already get to do all the stuff I want to do. So, yeah, that's when I went to radio, worked at Capital for a bit and then started freelancing for your fine group of radio stations. And then you offered me my first job, not just my first job in the media, my first proper. I mean, I've worked in Subway and Pizza Hut and stuff, but my first proper job. No offense to people who work in Subway and Pizza Hut. <laughs> 
So, so we've reached the point where um, your first full-time job at the Lynx FM group based in Doncaster, and you're part of a, a modest-sized um, news team creating content for uh, four radio stations, um, very much local radio stations. Now, um, I think local uh, radio news generally kind of has a, a certain kind of reputation. I think it's often dismissed these days, but you know, I know from from doing it myself that it's it's a real challenging thing in in its own kind of special way isn't it uh yeah it's 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 just different to to what i do now but it was um it was great fun and it 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 really matters to the people who consume it yeah. um incidentally actually i was as i mentioned to you just before we started recording i bumped into this is the worst name drop ever <laughs> um, of what has been for some reason quite a name dropping <laughs> that wasn't my intention um, but I bumped into the ex the MP Michael Duggar at a thing I was at the other night. And he was talking about how he always prefers to do the... He said, well, the way a lot of MPs work is they, they'll do the national. They send their assistants out to do the local. And he's like, I much prefer doing the local because the people who listen to local news, I think, have a higher kind of rate of caring about it than yeah. maybe the national news because it's so directly related to them. And yeah, we just used to tootle around in the car, go interview people, tootle back, cut the interviews. Um, I find it mad looking back on it that our entire output was bulletin because we didn't do any extended. Well, I mean, I did a couple of things while I was there, but in the job I do now, there's bulletins are kind of a tiny part of the whole operation. But then we're, you know, we're a massively bigger team. But yeah, someone reminded me the other day and was like, so did you do anything else? And I thought back and I thought, no, 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 it was, it was just bulletin. I mean, I guess probably one of the main differences between kind of you know commercial radio and and you know BBC slash national radio is that kind of you know commercial is all about doing things as quickly and as kind of um, tightly as possible, isn't it? So um, you know, as I kind of mentioned earlier, that that kind of condensing things down into a, a two minute news bulletin and knowing there's nowhere else you haven't got anywhere else that you can use this stuff is is kind of like that. That's a a very different kind of skill, I guess, to what you do now, but still. Uh, quite a challenging thing to have to try and do kind of hour in hour out yeah and it's it's the grounding for what i do now because even though we get two 15 minute radio programs a day now but you have to squeeze so much mm. into that so when i edit when i script i'm so driven by what we used to do which is just you tight make all the writing so tight get rid of excess words is there another way you can say that and you know sometimes now i'm doing a script and i'll agonize for 20 minutes getting two seconds out of my timing so i can fit more stuff in it because just because you have more time the mentality doesn't change you still want to cram as much stuff in as you possibly can you know? and actually while i was working with you i probably did what was maybe i'd say equally as fun as doing student radio which is when you gave me a football show called six o'clock kickoff ah uh, yes which was fantastic, right? So we had to hit. I I still love this. Tracks FM at the time, as you well know, we had to hit five ad breaks an hour, right? And fit in all the music and stuff that we had to fit in around it. And this was a live football show with two guests, one of which uh, was quite mm. hard to control mm. on the air. Let's put it that way. So a lot of your time was spent apologising for the slightly controversial statement he'd made <laughs> in the previous link. And we would try and have live callers and we would try and get footballers on as guests. And it was so fun. 
I'm not sure it sounded <laughs> any good. I, I think it was pretty chaotic. But oh, okay. So um, from Doncaster to Radio One seems like a heck of a jump. How how does that come about? How did that happen? Well, I always wanted to. No offense to the tracks, because I had a great time there. But I always wanted to work at Radio One, and I don't think I even kept that secret from no. you when you were my boss. <laughs> I think I was quite open about it. So the whole time I was there, I was just emailing contacts I got at Radio One saying, "Can I come in? Can I do this day with you? Can I do that day with you?" And eventually, um, a friend of mine who I'd done my journalism course with, who had been working at Channel Four, and who is I was talking earlier about what drives me and I'm driven by love of radio. He's the polar opposite. He's a brilliant, very meticulous, very rigid journalist. Um, he was at Channel 4 at the time. He's now out in Washington as a correspondent for one of the agencies out there. Um, and he had a contact who had just left Channel 4 to go to Newsbeat. And he said, oh, I'll put in a good word for you if you like. So I suddenly went from being just a random person who was emailing asking for a job, which, you know, I, there are a lot of those emails that come in um, to, oh, I'm a friend of Harry's who you worked with less than a month ago and who I know you're good friends with. And then they can't ignore you because then they're being rude to the mutual friends. Um, and I emailed her repeatedly and we talked a bit. And again, this, this is relevant to the story. Um, at the time, I ended up um, winning a, an IRN award for best newsreader. And I think I'd emailed her back and forth for a bit and nothing was really come of it. And then after I won my award, I re-emailed her and said, I've just won this IRN award for best newsreader. And she said, okay, well, well, let's get you in to try you out then. Um, so she got me in to try me out and they offered me a couple of trial shifts. And that was a tricky time because my girlfriend had just got pregnant with our child. And they were like, we can give you a couple of shifts, but don't go mental or anything. But I didn't really have a choice. so. I tried to juggle having the job and the shifts at the same time for about a couple of weeks. And then I think I yeah. just handed in my notice yeah. and I said, I've got to go for it. Um, so Chloe had, my girlfriend had our son up in Sheffield. I was working, he was two months premature. So he was in hospital for two months. I was working four days a week down in London and then driving back up at the weekends to spend time with them and then driving back down to London or get the train back down to London again. Um, and working four days a week. And it was, um, it was a ma an amazing time of my life. I look back on it now and I would never want to do it again because <laughs> I was I was so overwhelmed by where I was, and rightly so, you know. I yeah. think um you you know, you never stop being overwhelmed by where you are, otherwise you'd well, you'd just become rubbish and complacent and so I would but I was so overwhelmed and to be honest, I think I look back now, maybe this isn't the case. At the time I felt like going completely full pelt a thousand percent. I was just barely treading water in terms of the quality. And looking back now, maybe I thought I was being harsh on myself, but every day I'd go into work and I'd be, you know, stressing out about everything I put on the radio, every article I wrote for the website, every video I made, and I'm completely stressing out and trying to make it as good as I possibly can make it. And, you know, it's taking all my energy and then trading back up to Sheffield at half 10 at night and taking care of a three-month-old baby or whatever um so yeah that was a crazy 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 six months and yeah i mean i thought it would be like that with work forever but um actually it's the more radio packages you make the 
the quicker you get at making radio packages and the more bulletins that you write, the quicker you get at writing bulletins and suddenly, you know, situations that may have absolutely floored you in your first six months. You're just like, oh, all right, then well, I've, I've knocked together a package, you know, in disastrous circumstances before. So I know I can do it again if the if the time comes. Okay, well, um, give us a bit of a, a, a brief insight then into into what it's like working at, at, at Radio One, because I guess there's a lot of people um, that that are in the the building. Um, do kind of you know presenters and newsbeat staff speak to each other, or, or, or presenters do they only kind of speak to other presenters? Is there a bit of a uh, a bit of friction there, or, or what's it like? No, I don't think there's um, friction. What you what you have to remember is like it's a massive office, so um uh i don't know how many people work on the floor but it's it, we run three stations from there from the same from our floor radio one one extra and asian network and newsbeat which is a, a a separate department of its own and we are classed as like news employees rather than radio one employees um although we are kind of both but um so it's there's definitely no um, friction or anything like that, but just in terms of the people you sit with, just Newsbeat alone, I think, is about 45 people. So you're, the people you spend your day-to-day -day time with are, are the people who work in, at Newsbeat with you. But, you know, that's not to say that there aren't friendships across the... Um, um, you know, in other parts of the office, there are, but if you ask, like, who do you, you know, who do you maybe hang around with? And, the, the kind of the social circles as it were i guess are mainly the the presenters hang out with the producers and the ap's yeah. and the news people hang out with the news people and stuff like that. 45 is um is huge isn't it if you've got 45 people it's probably inevitable that you're generally gonna there'll be people within if, if you don't get on with any of those 45 people then um you've you've probably got a bit of a social issue going on um what's how much do you how much do you remember <laughs> about uh the first time that you read a live news bulletin on radio one uh yeah well i remember right the first thing i did was um a bit on the program and actually i <laughs> i this was when i was still technically working for you and i've managed to sign a thing to say i was allowed to go and do these shifts at newspeak if i didn't talk on the radio and i got down to my second shift, the first shift, I think I've written something for the website and I was like, oh, this is all right. Got down to my second shift and they're like, oh, we're going to put you on the radio today. And I was like, mm. but I mean, <laughs> I've signed a contract, but I can't, I can't say no. So um, I did it and uh, I was very sweaty. I, th I think that my, <laughs> my overall memories of my first few weeks at Radio 1 were being very sweaty. Um, which was probably very unpleasant people around me, but I was just so, so nervous. And I did it, it was before a bit by the sports guy, um, Simon Mundy, who I had been listening to for years. I'd like, he was doing it back when I was doing Scott Mills and stuff. Um, and I was so nervous before I did it, went out to talk on air and it was really, really exciting. And then I came out and Simon Mundy had been in the studio with me. He was doing his bit for the sport or whatever. And he came out and as we are walking to the, back to the office he said it's your first day you're not supposed to sound that good and i was like oh phew. i still remember it. it meant it meant so 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 much he was like i wish i he was like i wish i worked harder on mine now <laughs> so i like so that took a lot of it off and that was um lovely of him to say that 
that does sound like quite one of those sort of special moments that kind of stay with you sort of forever. Um, that's uh, that's really nice of him to say that. Um, I mean, Willie, in in the great scheme of you know radio, you you're still kind of a wee bairn in the in the radio world. Um, but even in the time that you've been working in in in, in radio full time, uh, the the landscape's changed quite a bit. We've obviously talked a bit about your time and my time working at the Lynx FM group, who in the last 12 months have been bought out by one of the bigger groups, having previously been an independently owned um, uh, group within the, the UK industry. Um, so, you know, radio's changed a bit in the time that you've been working at it. What, what have you kind of noticed? What stands out to you in terms of how things have changed? Uh, I think local radio has essentially had a death knell sounded for it, I think. Um, mm -hmm. all the locals are being brought up by all the nationals shows are getting um, uh, what's the word syndicated is that the right term syndicated now I mean I think yeah. the, the deal whereby Ofcom relaxed its rules didn't they earlier this year and now local stations can have a national breakfast show that goes out on lots of them in my view and I think a lot of people in the street aren't a fan of that because they think it's it's killing localness um, but then I guess if you look at it for pure business head, you know, if you can get more listeners by doing national, then people, people feel very strongly and very fondly about local radio. And um, I think in the last five years, I think big steps have been made to get rid of it. And you can, I guess, you can look at it and go, well, maybe, you know, if it's not getting listeners, then it has to go. There's no point sustaining local radio stations just for the nostalgia value. But um it uh, there does feel something quite quite sad about it um okay. i think i mean how do you feel uh yeah it does it does feel like it's kind of the end of an era i mean there was uh Anyone that works in the radio industry will know exactly what I'm, what I'm talking about here, where there was a, a week where um, it was just day after day. It was Bauer have bought this group. Now they've bought this group. Now they've bought this group. Now they've bought this group. And I think it was four pretty you know decent sized radio groups that they bought inside the space of one week. And then I think, was it the week after that where Hart announced that they were getting rid of um, – you know their uh, regional breakfast shows, and it was just—it was just kind of like you know, just bang, 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 bang. All this stuff that was happening, where radio is becoming more and more kind of pseudo national. And um, in in terms of audience, I don't know what impact it has. There must be people out there that do appreciate it, but you know, for people like me and you who um, sort of learned our craft a little bit of those local um, radio stations, kind of seeing the fact it's going to be more difficult now for people that want to get into radio because there just aren't going to be as many opportunities. There will there will be fewer jobs, considerably fewer jobs, and that has to mean it's more difficult for someone to get their first kind of step on the on the ladder. And that's that's a real shame, isn't it? That's there were people out there who um, are really good and will probably never get the chance to prove it because there just aren't going to be enough opportunities. Well, the other thing is that, that there are people out there who will go to a national station before they're ready to go to a national station because they, there aren't as many steps for them to take en route and then, you know, could struggle massively and then never get the, like you say, never actually be able to make it. Uh, there are a lot of people who I get some messages on Twitter and stuff from people saying, oh, I really want to work at Newsbeat, you know, but I've never had another journalism job. And I always say, go out and get another job first. Because they're not going to have you in, you know, decide you, you know, for whatever reason, you know, you're not quite up to scratch and then get you back. I mean, they might do, but it's unlikely, I think. I always, my advice is always, you know, go away and get a different job first. And, you know, when you think you're ready, 
so you can come into the office and wow all the bosses and they'll go god that person's amazing um then you can do it you know don't don't waste what's your biggest shot by going in too soon and uh there'll be fewer places for people to go and get those other jobs and also style wise i think as well i think like the links fm group where we work had uh had its own style but so so different from your bowers and your capitals and uh, your bowers and your globals even and all those um big groups which have you know for which is great for their listeners their style but there is a local 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 radio style that will be lost i think because even regional radio just sounds so different to local 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 radio yeah it is um it is sad times it'll be um interesting to see kind of how things pan out and and what effect it ultimately has on community radio and whether you know there's a chance for community radio to kind of step up a level and maybe fill the the gap that's um that's left um well i've got I, I call these kind of like the interview questions so these are kind of you know the, the quick fire things that you would probably get asked in a job interview so um what piece of work are you the most proud of when you look back um do you know weirdly it probably is and i'll keep it brief because i know my sorry i've been rambling rambling on i'll keep it brief when i when i was working for rother fm or working for tracks for rother fm and I got you to let me do a 15-minute radio special on the Rotherham abuse trial, mm-hmm. um, which had just happened, and we heard from victims of the men who were sent down. And um, I got home, and a woman who works with abuse victims in Rotherham said, I had, I've had multiple people contact me saying they heard your report on Rotherham FM, and they were abused, and now they, for the first time they've decided to do something about it. And that's nice because you're actually affecting someone's life. So I think that would probably be my proudest, my proudest bit of work. Yeah, and rightly so, because that's that's kind of you know that's that's making a difference stuff. Um, so yeah, I can I can totally see why you'd pick that out. Um, opposite end of the scale, what do you look back on and think? Ooh, that didn't go very well. Oh, uh, uh, I mean, so much probably stuff I don't want to um, own up to. I made some pretty big mistakes when I was working for you um so some infamous mistakes which you still have the audio of and you love to draw out every time i see you um so yeah that those big mistakes are we um are we are we going to talk any further about those big mistakes <sighs> i mean you know do we need to shine a spotlight on i mentioned one of them in front of my boss the other day and she looked mortified that I, which, uh, be, be <laughs> which, I mean, out of the, out of the several, out of the the many dozens, which which one was it that yeah. you mentioned? Uh, I won't mention that well, one. I'll say about the time I forgot to read the news. How about that? We can say that twice. <laughs> so they went, and now it's time for the news of Will York, and just nothing happened because I wasn't there. I was just in the other room having a chat. <laughs> that is pretty I think bad. I did that twice in the space of a month or something. Uh, yeah, I remember that just because the first time it happened, I remember afterwards saying to you, I'm not going to sell you off because it's one of those things that everyone does at some point, but you'll never do it again. And about three <laughs> weeks later, you did it again. Yeah. What What about any kind of like really sort of crazy moments that you just kind of look back and just think, wow, did that happen? I get, I've got something in mind here. Go on. Well, it was it was it was one of the few times actually that we were w- working together directly. So um, there was me and you. Um, 
we we spent the night together. We were doing the um, <laughs> general election. It was the general election. Yeah. Would it have been twenty? I can't remember which one. It had been twenty fifteen. I can't. 15, I can't remember. Yeah. There's been so many recently. Um, and uh, yeah, so we we were literally on the radio together all night, and it was all night. I think we started at ten o'clock at, in the evening, went through to six o'clock the next morning. It's a, a long old shift. A few times because we've known each other for. It's been quite a long time, but that was one of the few times I think we ever broadcast together. We didn't go on air together very often. Yeah, there the were there were only a couple of occasions from from what I can remember. Yeah, and I think you were like you said you'd be the serious anchor, and I was there for the like relief. Yeah, Just... and I mean to be fair, you did you did a good job in terms of the fact that this must be the only time where. Uh, a serious, you know, political election broadcast manages to get one of the Chuckle Brothers on the phone <laughs> to talk about yeah. the Chuckle Party, which I think may may have been fueled by a couple of bottles of wine before uh, yeah. before this call um, took uh, took place. But that even now, I think back to that and just think, did that really happen? Did, am I making this up? Yeah, it was very strange. It was late. It was like one a.m. And Barry Chuckle had tweeted saying, "Well, oh, I'm going to start the Chuckle political party." You had his number, didn't you? So we just gave him a ring, and we, and we got him. Um, we got him on the radio talking about the Chuckle party and what it would do. I can't remember what the policies were, but um, I, I, I mean, compared to to kind of how politics is now, you look back and think it could have been onto something there. That could have worked. <laughs> It may, it maybe it would have been less pantomime if the Chuckle Brothers had have taken over the country than than what we've got now. So yeah, who knows? Um, all right, Will. Um, who do you really like listening to on the radio now? This is tricky. I think uh, podcasts have taken a huge place of radio, so I'm going to count podcasts in your question. Okay. Yeah, fair. Um, and they go anything from oh, there's a podcast I listen to where two blokes in Australia go through Simpsons episodes and analyze all the jokes. And it's brilliant. It's it's something where you describe it to someone, you think, why on earth would anyone listen to that? They literally go through it scene by scene, and they talk about the jokes, and just and it's great. There are things like the Duolingo Spanish podcast, which I listen to, which is stories told half in English, half in Spanish, told in Spanish. Like I think the podcast world is um, there's so so much good stuff out there. Um, I listen to a lot of that. I listen to a lot of stuff from um, Radio Four on catch up just like the comedy and the stuff like that and there's a guy just started at radio one called jack saunders who does the indie show um i listen to that a lot because it's right on my street music wise i i know it won't be from me but what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given do you know what i don't know if it's the best piece of advice i've ever been given but um you taught me something quite important that it doesn't matter if you don't personally like the style of radio you're making it's completely irrelevant it's it's all about the audience i think i i started at tracks thinking well i like radio done like this and i'm going to come in and do the radio like this because i think that's funny and i think that's good and you were quickly like that brenda in rawmarsh does not care brenda in rawmarsh wants her travel she wants to know what's going on in the local area she wants you to shut up <laughs> and, um, I think that was a really good lesson. Brenda in Rawash didn't like me. She wanted me to shut up, and I did. I think Brenda appreciated it. She's she's probably now a Radio One listener. If that makes you uh, feel any better, <laughs> um, do you have do you have any regrets as you uh, as you look back? Um, it's quite early in your career to ask that question. 
yeah, I mean, there are always little things you you regret doing, and there are always days you have where you come away and you think, oh, I was completely useless that day, or you put something out on the radio and you think, you know what, that was rubbish. I I could have done so much better. Um, but I think you learn that you know, as long as you're consistently pushing to hit what you think is good i think probably to most listeners the difference between something you think is rubbish and something you think is great is probably actually quite minimal in your head everything's amplified tenfold the same extent as you where, where i've done things where i've poured over every single tiny edit in something crafted it with headphones on and then i've listened to it in the car driving home and i thought you know there's no point <laughs> by the time it's shoved out on fm it, they all sound the same in the dark or whatever um yeah, you always have regrets, and there are always things you think you could have done better, but no, no huge, huge takeaway one. I don't think. Okay, fair enough. All right. Well, if anyone wants to, you know, find out more about you, or um, even fire, you know, any of their own questions at you, um, where can they, uh, where can they find you? If anyone wants to find out more about me, they have the patience of a saint because <laughs> I've literally, I've given you my life story. Um, I think if there's anyone here who still has appetite for me and what I have to say, <laughs> I I think like Samaritans is the number you need to call. <laughs> um, I'm on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Come follow me on Instagram. I don't have any followers on Instagram. I'm Will or I think I'm William Chalk on Twitter. Um, yeah, come find me. Will, Will, thank you for your time, and um, I'm off to give. Brenda a call now just to make sure that she's all right I'll 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 let you know afterwards that's all right <laughs> yeah Bre- Brenda if she's listened to this podcast in Roma she this this would have been hell uh, she wants the traffic Brenda it's busy in the center of Rotherham right stay at home tell me travel tell me travel now and get next song on because I like my computer uh, well, it's been great catching up with you. Um, thank you for your time, and um, yeah, um, keep um, keep producing that um, quality stuff over at uh, at Newsbeat. Oh, thank you very much, Jim. Anytime. Great fun catching up with Will, and big thanks for his time and honesty. Some of those student radio features are things I'd probably never admit to. We've got plenty more guests lined up on Behind the Mic as we explore the media world in the 21st century. Hit the subscribe button to get new episodes as they're released. If you'd like to suggest a guest or get in touch with me for any reason, head to j.media, that's j-a-e dot media, and speak to you next time.